0: good morning lovely people it is monday january 23rd we are all hurting as the lopes barely escaped a late surge by utah tech on wednesday night and were unable to capitalize on a late surge of their own against utah valley on saturday riddled with injuries yet hopeful for the return of paint protector y.o are the lopes hopes for a whack title dwindling excited or not we have a lot to talk about and with that a new episode of Win the Wack 2.0 starts now. Big bucket
1: by McMillan for three. Dishes on the block server. Three. Go. Harrison. Up high. Put back by the corner. Oh, push back up. Harrison quickly to the block and drive baseline. Bam, No doubt about it. Oh, Barry, you bounced out of your seat on that now. I never you. With a big right hand. Give the lot a three-point advantage.
0: So Saturday before the Lopes game, we took our high school girls basketball team to a Carroll college basketball game. Okay. Um, Carroll college is an NAIA school. Traditionally, their men's team has been really solid. Uh, They've been to the national championship game within the last, I would say six years or so. Um, The girls team was ranked, I believe 18th in the nation, but uh, we went to both the girls game and the men's game. And during the men's game, you know how like every time you go to like a sporting event, there's always like timeout entertainment. Like there's something going yeah. on during timeouts. Sure. And you know how colleges always do like really funny, like crowd interaction ones where it's like, you know, you go to a sports, uh, a pro sports game and it'll, it'll be like the kiss cam or something like that. Or the, the lookalike cam. Well, you go to like a college event and they'll do like a baby race or something like that, where they get the babies out on the court <laughs> and they're just, like, crawling around and stuff. Um, yesterday, or I guess this was Saturday in particular, they did a race where they picked two random people out of the crowd. And what they had to do was start on one baseline, run to the half court line, put on some Carroll college basketball shorts, um, all doing this while dribbling, right? Put on some Col- Carroll college basketball shorts, dribble down to the free throw line, put on a Carroll college Jersey top and then dribble in and make a layup. And then the first one to make a layup wins, right? So this thing is sponsored by Delta Dental. Anyways, Classic. some like cheerleader or like some I don't remember who it was. It was some some girl from Carroll College. She comes up to the section we're sitting in and picks two of our girls' players. Nice to go do it. So shout out Greta and Macy. So Greta and Macy, they're cousins, by the way. They go down and they do this race. And uh Macy ends up winning. Guess what her prize
1: was um what well okay hold on so it's delta dental right this is like some sort of like free teeth cleaning or like something like like that it's not even a free teeth cleaning oh no she got a she got a phillips
0: toothbrush (laughs) 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 i thought i thought maybe i thought maybe they'd give her the jersey right because it was like an old jersey they weren't gonna they weren't gonna have them use like current jerseys i was like yeah dude you're gonna win you're gonna go win a jersey nope she got a a toothbrush and it wasn't like the fancy Norelco one or whatever. Just a basic Phillips toothbrush. (laughs) It was pretty funny though. That was great. And so like, like I said, they had to do it while dribbling and stuff. And um, you're allowed to set the ball down on the floor and not dribble while you're putting the shorts and the shirt on. Well, Greta, what she did was she didn't set the ball on the floor. She just stopped dribbling. And so she's like pulling the shorts on and stuff. And it's just, rolling down the court oh no (laughs) so she had to go grab it and then bring it back and then start dribbling it was really funny so yeah yeah hey do you want to start with some questionable scenarios absolutely all right here we go zach pick one we get both josh baker and yo to 100% health for this week but you have to go on a three-day juice cleanse Or both Uh, players continue on with their injuries as is, and you can eat like normal.
1: You mean Blackshear, right? Not Josh Baker?
0: No, Baker went out. I mean, Blackshear, we know he's done for the season. What
1: was the second thing?
0: What do you mean the second second thing?
1: What was the second option?
0: Uh, They can continue on with their injuries as normal, and you can eat as normal. Hmm. Because I I know that we're going to get Y.O. back soon, but the question is, is he going to be 100%? And what I'm saying is if we get Josh Baker and y o back, they will be at hundred percent health, but you have to do a juice cleanse yeah yeah it's three days it's fine. have you have you seen have you seen the Cody code juice cleanse vlog? I have not no
1: <laughs> it's pretty pretty good from,
0: from what I can tell juice cleanses are not not the it. most enjoyable thing in the on the planet I'm sure yeah i would i would suggest you watch the video before making your decision oh man because because all you can do you got to order you got to order the juices off the internet and it's like a hundred bucks for like six bottles of of juice yeah right and then all you can drink is those juices and then there's like certain juices per like health thing so like the first day is like okay so you're doing a colon cleanse or something like that and then the next day yeah no and and apparently the juices taste terrible and that's all you can consume so i would suggest watching the video before making a decision all right yeah do you uh do you have something for trivia time yeah i do hey do you remember what your record was last week i know you didn't you didn't get the first
1: one against the spread no, 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 no. For no, trivia, no. For well, trivia I, time. was one and one. I think I got the second one. What was the second one again? I think I got the, um,
0: I know the first one
1: was, it was, the, it was the, the, head the head coach. Yeah. The, yeah. The second one was like the highest winning percentage head coach. Okay. We, we yes. talked about it when, when yes. you asked the first one, I, I brought that up. So like, yes. Yeah, okay. It was so
0: you were one and one. one, I was two and O. So currently yeah. I'm leading you two and O and um, you'll probably
1: get this one. You'll probably get both of these actually. For, okay. Yeah. So, so ask um, me the one for today. Okay, so here's what we have Um, on on Wednesday against Utah Tech. Ray Harrison scored 38 points Um, in the division one era um, that is tied for the second most points in a game by a Lopes player. Obviously, the first we know is, is Dwayne Russell's 42 against Louisville. Do you happen to know the other 38 point game that this is tied with? This really sucks, Zach, because I was going to ask you a very, very, very similar question. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll probably both get it right. No, that's is yours, okay. Is yours? Who's who's the other person to score 38? No, 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 no. Okay. That was not mine. But the
0: the other person to score 38 was Michael Finke. It was in 2019. He yeah. scored 38 against Eastern New Mexico, which is a D2 yeah. opponent, by the way. You're right. So granted, it is a D1 era, but it was a D2. Not opponent. a D1 game. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um. So I kind of have to go a different route with mine, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So the original question was going to be, I'll, I'll just give you this one and you can have, you can tally this one as a W because you did your research. I'll just ask you the first one. And then I'll ask you the second one, which I know you're not going to get on Wednesday, Ray Harrison scored 38 points against Utah tech, to tie Michael Finke for the second most points in the D one era in a game. He scored nice. 38 against D two Eastern New Mexico Cool. name the player and amount of points in the opponent for the most points scored in a game in oh, the division one era okay so i just said all of that it's uh, exactly <laughs>
1: when <twin> russell 42 <laughs> against louisville yeah i should have i should have been, been a little bit more i should have been a little bit more challenging i love but... that we were both no, no no we we answered each other's questions in our questions it was great
0: <laughs> right yeah okay so That's here's cool. here's the one you're not gonna get okay so that was the, actually no. Since you did the research, you probably did. You you were gonna get it, okay? Maybe, maybe all time highest points scored in a game. Can you name him?
1: Oh man, person I looked at it points. And thought, like I have no idea. Um, hmm, I don't know. I have no idea. Ron Singleton scored forty
0: six points against Western New Mexico in nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. You still you still get the W for that one. Man. so now we're at i'm th- i'm at three and three or sorry three and oh and you're at two and two one. one yeah all righty awesome awesome
1: hey you might not the next one's kind of tough for the for the next episode okay it's well, kinda, I, I, you might. You'll, you'll, see, you'll see.
0: hey mine mine's actually not that tough but it's really funny so i'm really excited okay. to ask you for the for the next it's gonna episode. be the same question watch we're gonna have the same question <laughs> <laughs> that'd be hilarious again so let's hop into our recaps for the games this week, let's start with the Wednesday game against Utah tech. Why don't you lead us off Zach?
1: Yeah. So we played Utah tech on Wednesday. We won that game by four points, um, which is pretty great. We were 12 and a half point favorites. Um, this, uh, this is another classic Lopes game in that they, they managed to like win while taking the most years off of my life as humanly possible. Um, um, Rayshon Harrison had a massive 38-point game which we both already brought up. Um, arguably the second best performance by any Lopes player in the D1 era. I would say it's like the 42-point Dwayne Russell game and then this performance. So, so Rashawn Harrison was really incredible. Um, other than Harrison being absolutely unstoppable, there were a lot of tough things about that game. Yeah, no kidding. Such as Um, well the end of the game wasn't very good um the way that we almost lost uh, i didn't really like that um i i think there was generally speaking just like a pretty significant like lack of discipline um for context here with 58 seconds to go um Gcu was up by nine points um and then we proceeded to let them make a three turn it over let them make a layup turn it over, let them make a layup, turn it over. And then they had the ball down two with 13 seconds left. And an opportunity to win. Fortunately, um, they actually got an offensive foul. McLaughlin doing the Lord's work, made both free throws. Um, and then like we kind the of Lord. put the game away from there. <laughs> the Lord's work but indeed. Like, but like, man, it was a real... So, so that was really... Uh, that was like kind of a disaster class the last minute of the game. Uh, we pulled it out, which is great, but we were trying pretty hard not to. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, turnovers were bad, just too many turnovers, um, bad decision-making. Um, I thought generally speaking, I thought, I thought really good shot selection. This was probably our best shooting game of the year. We shot 61% from three, which is crazy. Um, that, yeah, but, that was really aided by Ray Harrison going five for five to start the game from three. Yeah. And seven for nine on the game. I mean, he was incredible, but yeah. other than that, like, So, yeah, shooting was good. Uh, Decision-making and turnovers bad.
0: Well, and you mentioned down the stretch when there was like 50-some seconds left or whatever that they really struggled valuing the possession, just turnovers galore. It wasn't just turning the ball over. It was the inability to get the ball inbounded. They could not inbound the ball. It was either two or three balls that they could, if they could just inbound it, they would have been fine but they just threw the ball away three times in a row ended up being
1: buckets. And so it went from, what did you say? Like an eight point game. It was nine to it was, we were up by nine with 58 seconds left. Baker made two free throws. Yeah. And then it all the way down to, we were actually up by two and they had the ball with an opportunity to tie. We have like 13 seconds left. So not, not a good stretch there. A complete choke job. Just choke job. 100%. Yeah. I was, I was very irritated and you could tell by the way I was texting you. I could, I also, your, your tweet, um, I'd have to pull it up. was like the funniest thing ever. I honestly like, don't remember half the things I tweet during GCU games. Oh my gosh. It was so fun. No, it was a
0: picture. Oh, it was the picture. Yes. No, yeah, I remember yeah. that one. Um,
1: <laughs> let me just pull this tweet up. It was so funny.
0: little context. My brother sent that to me and the reason he sent it to me is because i sent it to him in its original format and instead
1: of gcu it was the minnesota vikings oh yeah it was over the first like fifth is like oh boy am i excited to watch my favorite team and then the whole middle of the game is just i'm gonna blow my kneecaps off followed by the very small sliver at the end that says nice we won (laughs) and like yeah that's it's been like the whole season, man. I really, it really feels like that. It's like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? All right, we won my three. Whew. All right. <laughs> like, man. Well, the, the, the
0: text that I sent you before that was, I want to spoon my eyeballs out. <laughs> yeah. so, so bad to watch. Hey, an, another oh, tweet that I sent that day um, regarding the game. It was before the game had even started. Do you Do you recall what I
1: said? A, a tweet about the Utah Tech game?
0: Yeah, a tweet about the Utah Tech game before it even happened.
1: No,
0: another night of self self loathing. Please <laughs> prove me wrong. Oh man. So yeah. Um. Also, you said something like Ray Sean Harrison has thirty four points. He's the whack player of the year. I don't care. And that I obviously did. I did tweet that, that was that was before the game had ended. Obviously. Yeah. And I said someone from like Southern Utah will get player of the week though. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Have we gotten players of the week yet? Mm, we probably have. I think. I think it comes out on Monday. Actually, you might be right. I mean, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye out for
1: that. Yeah, it's got to be Harrison.
0: You can't have a guy score thirty-eight and then
1: not give them
0: player of the week.
1: Yeah, and he had a. Yeah, he didn't have a. I mean, he didn't have a great game on Saturday, but he still had eighteen on Saturday. Yeah, 18-7 rebounds. Keep, like keep right. in mind,
0: though, his not great game was because. Points. Yes, not it was 18 points, but also it was he he did not start out very hot. True. He also but like fouled once, out. Once he got back into rhythm, it was like he was he was normal, yeah. but it was just yeah. a
1: really poor start for him. No, that's true. He also fouled out, um, which doesn't help. But yeah, very true. Hey, but, yeah.
0: another thing about the Utah Tech game, we really struggled guarding their big man, like big time. Dude. Yeah. I was I was really disappointed with how we showed out defensively.
1: Yeah, it was not, um, not, not great defensively again. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is. Uh, I, Isaiah Carr, I, I think I, man, I just want to arguably his better. worst game. He I had arguably I, his worst game. I want to believe that he's getting better. And I understand that he's like young and he needs time, but like, gosh, it just, it just doesn't feel like he's going to get to a place. This season, where he's going to be like a seriously viable option starting, and I know yeah. YO is coming back, so maybe like if he's getting bench minutes with their like with another team second string big, like that might be helpful. But gosh, it's it's just a little discouraging uh, what we've seen from him. Um, and it, this, is, this is like several games now that this has happened since YO's gone out, where an opposing big man um, has just dominated us inside. So yeah, that's not.
0: Well, and that kind of shows up in the stats a little bit. They out sorry, out-rebounded us by 5.
1: Yeah. And they had 13 offensive rebounds, which is way too much.
0: Yeah. Just unacceptable. Hey, yeah. another thing that they did uh 50% from 3. So yeah, we scored or we shot 60% from 3. They shot 50, which is still really good. Yeah, really good. It's a lot. Yeah. They shot 47 from the field. It, it's often very odd when your shooting percentage from the field is worse than your three point percentage. And both teams did that in this game. Yeah. It looked, it looked like towards the end of the game, that GC was just pulling away. It looked like the Lopes right. were going to run away with it. They had a large lead of 11. And then after that, it was, I, I don't know. It kind of just fell apart at the end. And like I said, and like you said, it was primarily because of, and in about an inability to inbound the ball.
1: Yeah. The, the sideline out of bounds plays were in baseline out of bounds plays, but I, I want to say a lot of those turnovers are sideline out of bounds. um, Or, well, I guess baseline out of bounds after made baskets, it was really, really painful to watch. Um, And like the worst thing about that is uh, like, you're not, you want to, the clock is your friend, right? If you're up by nine with a minute left, you don't actually ever need to score. All you need to do is just take, just take the shot clock. They'll probably foul. And if they don't, like, you don't even need to score. Just like, exactly. I just like dribble for 20 seconds and then like take a shot whatever. And then like, even if you don't score, it's like you're still up nine with 20 seconds left, 30 seconds left. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, But like not being able to inbound or like throwing an inbound pass that like gets 50, like a 50, 50 inbound pass that like we tip out of bounds and like point three runs off and they get the ball back. Like it is a nightmare. And that happens like every time. Um, so it just, the clock never went down and they would go score in three seconds. Um, so it was just really frustrating. It really was. And if I recall
0: the progression of what happened correctly, we had two turnovers off of bad inbounds passes. And then we got one in, like we had the ball ready to advance it down court. And Bryce drew calls a timeout. And I believe what I texted you was, why is it that when we can't inbound the ball, Mm -hmm we get the ball in one time and then we call a timeout so that we have to inbound it again. And then guess what happened? We had Didn't a sidelines out sideline out of bounds. Couldn't inbound it ended right. up being a turnover. Yep. And I understand the idea of calling a timeout to give your team a play or, or a set, or just a way to, or maybe instructions to, like you said, just keep the ball in your hands, protect the possession and don't force a shot or a turnover. Those are probably the instructions yeah. that were being given, but when you couldn't inbound the ball, why make it so that you have to inbound the ball again? Right. That's, that's hey, something that really frustrated me.
1: Yeah. I think too, with that, I don't want to see, well, it's, I, I feel, I feel very not good when Noah Bauman is in the game in that situation. I just always feel like he's going to turn it over. Why? Uh, and he did. Cause he, cause he does. Uh, he, he, had two of those turnovers on back-to-back gcu possessions um well, i call- i get why he's if led. i
0: recall correctly zach one of them that probably was counted as a turnover was against him out of bounds i i don't i don't think so i i don't remember which one you're talking about there was but there it was, was a, a pass to him it was a pass yeah. to him that he was running towards and then the defender just got there before him and knocked it either into the hands of another defender or out of bounds. I can't recall, Yeah, that was probably attributed as a turnover to Noah Bauman when Mm. that wasn't Bauman's fault. It was just a really stupid pass. No,
1: you're right. One of those turnovers, it was attributed to Bauman, but I think it was McLaughlin inbounded it. And like, it was like a 50, 50 ball to Bauman and another guy and Bauman just wasn't really open and they both went for it. And I think it just went out of bounds on Bauman. But, um, so yeah, that, I mean, that was a turnover to him, but not, the worst and he's a really good free throw shooter, but like, that's exactly
0: what I was going to say. He's yeah. In the and, that, and that's he why he's in there. Well.
1: Right. That's why he's in there is you just want five guys who are going to shoot free throws, but it just hurts when it's being turned over. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think. And then Ray, Ray, Sean Harrison got picked once at mid at mid court, just like dribbling, I think, um, which was bad. So like all around just sloppiness that needs to be. It It just seems like every week there's like a new thing we do poorly. Like some weeks we let up a thousand offensive rebounds. Some weeks we have a thousand turnovers and sometimes we can't get the, like we can't about the ball. So like, I don't know Uh, that, that was frustrating. Um, I think GCU, like fortunately uh, I think GCU just happened to be a lot better. And I think we put ourselves up by enough that even with some pretty significant trolling, we were still able to win. Um, It was like almost the opposite of Saturday's game, which we'll get into, um, which is Utah Valley really tried to troll the last minute of that game. But, um, but yeah, so, so that was tough. I'm, I'm glad we won. Um, but yeah, I think like like we said, um wanting to blow my kneecaps off for 28 minutes of that game <laughs> wasn't great. <laughs> it was not an enjoyable
0: watch, I'll tell you no. that much. Hey, another thing about that game, I guess it really didn't have to do with the way the game played out, but did you notice how few students were there? Dude. They yeah. had like the like back eight rows roped off with the with the T food like whatever the big banners are called. Um, and then we also like the capacity of GCU arena is 7,000. They're only 6,041 there. And typically we are full capacity. So
1: yeah. pretty no, disappointing. You you have brought this up before and I've kind of defended the havocs where you said like, Hey, it seems like the Lopes fans aren't showing out as much as previous seasons. And we said like, Oh, well it's winter break or it's non-conference or it's whatever. But yeah. Um, this was not the the crowd. Uh, man, the energy just didn't feel like it should have. I think for either of the games this weekend, it's kind of disappointing.
0: I think I think it was okay for Utah Valley. They had okay. they had a full student section. Hey, here's another thing. You notice how they have the banner over the um the stand behind the basket all yeah. the time now? Right. Why that
1: used to always
0: be filled with students? I know. I don't all know. the time. I what don't happened? know.
1: And there's, there should be, like, right, there's more students on, on campus even now than there was, like, I mean, every year there's more students on campus, right? They're always building new dorms. Uh, I can't imagine, like, that it's an issue packing the gym. Um, so I, I don't know. Obviously, but we're yeah, not on campus anymore, so we don't know how right. the games are promoted. Oh, but I'm you sure got to think no, they're doing they're, just to find, They're yeah. totally promoting. Yeah, I mean, like, they got to be. I don't and, know. Zach, this is what I'm saying. This is what tough. I'm
0: saying. The West Coast conference would be a really nice place for us cuz then we're playing really good opponents on a regular basis. We're not hosting yeah. Division 2 pull up Utah Tech on a Wednesday night.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, Wednesday night games are tough.
0: But I mean, so are Thursday night games. Here's here's another idea. Play all of our road games on Thursday nights. All of our home games on Saturday nights. That
1: would be such a nightmare. It would be horrible the to amount but I don't ever want to do that.
0: <laughs> that'd be a GCU game every Saturday night, though. I think that'd be yeah, pretty sweet.
1: That would be pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. So do you want to pick a player of the game for the Utah Tech game?
1: Yeah, I, I know we always say, like, oh, it could always be Ray Harrison, but I feel like it it would be impossible to give it to someone else here. I mean, he scored 38 <laughs> points and, and it was like, incredibly that's efficient. Crazy. Yeah, 38 points on 19 shots. Um <laughs> is that seven for Deverson? nine from three. He's averaging yeah, he's averaging two points a shot. Like, what are we even, like, that's crazy. <laughs> second most, tied for second most points all time in the D1 era. No, no this is an all-time Rayshon Harrison game. Uh, yeah. And other, don't get me wrong, like, other guys played really well, but, like, oh, man, it's got to be Rayshon Harrison. <laughs> it has game. to be. No
0: question yeah. about it. Yeah. I- I'm glad we're on the same page there. So let's head into the play of the game for Utah Tech. We actually have two of them. We'll start with the defensive play of the game.
1: Intensity is definitely up. Tight D there by McLaughlin. Excellent low. D to start this game. I tell you what, outside the free buckets, has got. They've done a nice job.
0: It's about fifteen minutes left. GCU is up seven or sixteen-seven. There is a baseline out of bounds underneath Utah Tech's basket for Utah Tech. What they're going to do is they're going to inbound it to one of their guards on the near side wing, and he's going to dump it into the post, and then everybody. um, Everybody who's a guard is going to relocate to the far side of the court to give their post an ISO to try and get an easy layup, right? Looks like we have a Gahan on the on the post, and he's doing a great job defending it. Off ball, the guards are basically just cut replacing each other, and GCU's defenders are doing a good job of just switching off ball. They're not screening or anything. They're just replacing each other's spots, and GCU's doing a good job of switching on that. What happens here is the guy that Josh Baker is defending is at the top of the key. And Josh Baker is stunting towards the the post player that Igehan is on and preventing him from trying to go inside towards the basket. And he does a good job of that because he stays between his man and the ball and stunts a little bit towards the ball, but keeps his eyes on both ball and man. And so once his man cuts towards the basket, he's able to come back to his man And while his man cuts hard to the basket and probably could have gotten the ball beyond Josh Baker, Gabe McLaughlin steps into the paint and is able to pick that pass off. He kind of tips it away and is able to to grab it. And then the Lopes, actually, Egehan is able to grab it and the Lopes are out in transition. So that's just a great defensive play by both, I would say, Baker and Gabe McLaughlin there. And also big shouts to Aiden
1: Egehan for preventing their big man from, from getting an easy layup. Yeah. This is awesome defense by Josh Baker. Um, he, so first of all, Igehan does the right thing, which is he knows where his help side is site is. Right. Yep. Uh, McLaughlin is sagging way off of, of his guy at the top of the key. Right. Cause that skip pass probably isn't going to happen. Um, so he's, and, and you have Baker doing, uh, doing this help side, right. With, with he's, he's kind of pestering the ball handler. Yep. Um, but he's about two steps away from his guy. So he can close out in time with that. uh, If the guy goes middle, there's three lopes there, right? So he's cutting off baseline, forcing him. If he goes anywhere, he's going middle, which he doesn't. Um, Baker just does a great job of every time it looks like uh, the Utah tech player wants to, to dribble. He like takes a step over and like swipes at the ball, right. And causes him to, like have to stop his move. And then as soon as he stops his move, he takes one step back to his defender to stop that pass back out. Just like, so really great heads of defense. Ultimately, Baker's guy ends up making a cut. But because of, because McLaughlin is there in help side, you have Baker behind his guy, like right on him. And you have McLaughlin right in front of his guy. So he's immediately passing to a guy who's got McLaughlin right in front of him, Baker running right behind him. Andy Gahan, who was on his guy, is also now right there. Which just leads to an instant turnover, like really great defense, kind of a, kind of a bad pass, but obviously like he just wasn't aware of the situation, but like really great help defense by just everyone and really great, like just individual like strategy by, by Baker. Basically
0: the Bermuda triangle of defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: the ball got lost in there. That was great. (laughs) Great defense. All right. Let's move into the offensive play of the game. For the Utah Tech game.
1: Big man's running the floor. He is running the floor. He was looking for the lob. Looking for that lob city tour. Haven't seen it in a while. Allen Woods is looking for it. Sean Miller Moore is looking for it. How about a three? How about a putback? No. Kobe Knox trying to pick it up off the floor. Diving for it. Finds Bauman. Oh, this is pretty. How about Harrison draining the three? How about it? Then? Yeah. to the glass, going to the floor, he gets it over to him. This guy, Valmet, and if Bauman fires a strike to the hot shooter, Harrison is tearing it up tonight. 29 points on 11 of 17, shooting at seven three-point shots. Mike, Season goodness. high for Harrison, 29 points. Is there anything Knox won't do on the floor for his team? Blocks shots, runs the floor, slam dunk, extra possession, a little knee burn, and Bauman, a great savvy, great awareness, finds the hottest guy on the court tonight. I mean, without hesitation, Ray Ray knocks down another triple. Would you say that record was nine? You might get that tonight.
0: So the Lopes are up 67-62 in the second half with about nine and a half minutes to go. The Lopes are in transition. They're going to reverse ball from Sean Harrison on the near side of the court to Chance McMillan on the far side of the court. They're going to set up a ball screen between Chance McMillan and Aiden Gahan Chance is going to pull up on a little step-back three. Now, on the near side, in the corner, Kobe Knox is just standing there wide open, and his defender turns his back to uh, to try and box out Noah Bauman, who's cutting towards the paint to get a rebound. So Kobe Knox is able to just run straight to the basket, untouched ball rims out on chance McMillan's three. And this, it still would have been the play of the game. If this would have gone Kobe Knox's way, he gets the rebound and tries to tries to put it back in. If he would have dunked this thing, it would have been better, but it looks like he kind of fumbles the ball up at the rim and it misses. Both him and a defender go up to get the second rebound, and it kind of falls towards the far side corner. And now you have Kobe Knox and two Utah Tech guys going for the ball. Both him and one of the Utah Tech players dives for the ball. Kobe Knox is able to recover it, uh, dish it off to Noah Bauman, who's able to hit a skip pass to the near side of the court for Rayshawn Harrison, who knocks down the three, and at this point, I believe, goes seven for nine from three-point land. Utah tech is forced to call a timeout and the lopes go from up 67, 62 to up 70 to 62.
1: Yeah. This is, this is just a great hustle play. This is when, when coaches, when coaches coach their players, I feel like they want, everyone like they just want everyone on their team to be kobe knox right right it's like right. just crash just crash and cut for an offensive board and like even if you airball the layup like dive for the loose ball and <laughs> good things will happen you know and it's like yeah and good things do happen right like he 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 makes a really aggressive play in offensive rebound it doesn't work out he's he keeps following the ball right he he picks up the loose ball gets it to Bowman, and then it's ultimately swung to harrison for three and harrison was just like absolutely on fire this game but just like huge hustle play by Kobe Knox. Like, that's just awesome. And he was rewarded for
0: it because the Lopes ended up knocking down the three and getting a yeah. timeout. Yeah. Really awesome. I think I think it would have been better if he would have just slammed it home. But the hustle play, I if it deserves recognition. All right, let's move on into the Utah Valley game on Saturday. I'll let you open with your with your thoughts, Zach.
1: Yeah, so so my thoughts are um I had a had a remarkable time watching the Phoenix Suns beat the Pacers. I will admit that uh I watched a lot of the <laughs> game on my phone from the footprint center, um, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. I um I was with my I like I mentioned this last week, but I, I was with my nephews for their Christmas present, um, because one of them loves Jalen Smith, which is super weird. Um and and so yeah, I I at one point was like it was halftime, and I'm like on my phone, like live streaming the Lopes game. Um, so I got to watch like here and there different stuff, and then I watched the final the final minute, which was kind of insane. Um, so I don't have a lot of like particularly in depth analysis um, of that. Uh, other than I, I just looking at the box score and looking at what I've seen, um, I I feel like for a long time we've been waiting for Bauman to be. The guy that he has become the last two weeks. And that's really nice. Like, I like that Bauman's a guy that, like, will hit three, like, three threes off the bench, going three for six, 14 points, eight rebounds in 27 minutes. Like, that's awesome. Um, and, and he had a, he had a pretty good game against Utah Valley and he had a pretty, pretty good game the week prior. So I, I like what we're getting now from Bauman. Obviously, with all the injuries we have, his role's getting bigger, but I really like what we're seeing from him off the bench. Um, you uh
0: you saying that reminds me of chris collinsworth now here's a guy that'll shoot three for three off
1: the bench (laughs) yes sir sir. um no bowman just needs to be our cameron johnson um well cameron johnson's the last two months with an mcl so he needs to not do that but other than that (laughs) uh he needs to be what cameron johnson was when the Suns went to the final which is just a dude off the bench who will like will guarantee hit two threes every game um (laughs) So that that's good to see Um, the, my, my like longstanding concern has been like, how does Josh Baker actually fit into our offense? Um, Josh Baker had a pretty tough game over um, three from the field in his 10 minutes and then left with an injury um, to, to which I, I don't know the extent of, I don't know if you have any. Like,
0: the only update I have on that, that. is Ray Harrison, uh, Ray Harrison tweeted pray for my guy 22 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I saw that. I saw yeah. that. Pray for my twin 22. Yeah. The, yeah. Hashtag the bake show must continue. The bake show must continue. Man. That, that's kind of concerning. That makes me, that makes me think that it maybe is a little bit serious. Sure. Um,
0: I actually have, I have a lot of thoughts for, for this game.
1: Yeah. Lopes Please started
0: go. out really slow, kind of frustrating to watch in the first, say five, maybe three minutes or so. And Then, I mean, we kind of got rolling and by halftime, it looked like the lopes were kind of in control, gave up a little bit of a run towards the end of the half to let the lead cut down to three or four, but it it looked like the lopes were in the driver's seat. And I actually, so university of Montana was playing Montana state and I kind of flipped it over to that game during halftime. And so by the time I had flipped it back to the GCU game, it was 18 minutes left in the game. Right. So two minutes left in the half, and Utah Valley was already up a point. It, it was it was like the Lopes just conceded a few buckets really early on, and at that point Utah Valley had a little bit of a run where where they were in the lead, and then GCU, with about a third of the game left, got back into a got back into a position where it looked like they were going to be in the driver's seat, and take control of the game. I was really impressed with with their play. I think it was one of their better games that they've played in conference, aside from... I don't even think that that Sam Houston State game was a good performance, aside from their defensive performance was really solid. Mm -hmm. I, I would say this was probably the Lopes' best performance in conference so far. And I don't know what happened. Just at the end of the game, could not buy a bucket. Utah Valley goes on a run and all of a sudden is up I think, eight points, nine points, maybe, which was really disappointing because I think that the Lopes had, you know, like I said, they were in the driver's seat. They were primed to win the game. And then all of a sudden the bottom fell out, you know, and we're in a position where we're most likely going to lose. So before we get into the the end of the game, which you have previously mentioned, I would like to bring up, up uh, sorry, bring up a couple things. The first being Josh Baker's injury. Like you said, he didn't play super well. Um, he was attacking the basket pretty pretty efficiently, though. And one thing that I wanted to say was um, Kobe Knox needs to be starting. Kobe Knox needs to be starting because he's been playing over the last two games really, really well, especially this Utah Valley game. He he looked like a man on a mission. He wasn't very high in scoring, but he was attacking the basket, and I think that's one of the things that the Lopes are missing, um, aside from Ray Sean Harrison, is guys who attack the basket and finish well. Chance McMillan, he attacks the basket. He's a little shifty. I think he dribbles a little bit too much and puts himself in, puts himself in a position where He could easily turn the ball over, I suppose. But Kobe Knox gets downhill and then kicks it out when he needs to and finishes at the rim when he needs to. Rayshon Harrison gets downhill, will play off two feet and often get a bucket out of it. Josh Baker, what I think he presents is a deep threat because he shoots the ball pretty decently. He has a pretty solid mid-range as well. But like we said last week, the downhill play is... Primarily non-existent, and I think if Kobe Knox were to start, I, th- I I could see Josh Baker being really efficient off the bench, and I think that gives the Lopes an opportunity to not have that slow start where they're down like six to zero, eight to zero at the beginning of the game. Aside from that, the other thing that I think really put the Lopes in, into a troubled position was foul trouble. I think the reason that we struggled at the end of the game was foul trouble because Gabe McLaughlin had to sit out for a solid couple minutes. I think they actually put him back in before they wanted to. And then Ray Harrison as well had to be put back in before they wanted him to be in because he had four fouls. So both him and McLaughlin had four fouls and that kind of leads us into the final few minutes. So that right around when that, the, those two got put on the bench for having four fouls is when that UVU run began and by the time we put them back in i think we had lost momentum completely and just were unable to score we'd get to the rim and not finish and then when it came down to the point where we were basically out of the game completely i, I know i looked over at my dad and i said this game is over that's when we went on that very late run and this is this is the part that i'm just i I'm really heated about you. I want you to talk about the end of the game first. Okay.
1: Well, so yeah, like you said, uh, questions, there are questions to be raised now. Uh, it seems like every couple of weeks, we have a new one of these uh, questions to be raised about the depth chart. Now, obviously Blackshear's injured. Obviously, YO is injured. And now it's, if we don't have Baker, um, like you said, I going back to, to what you said, I think Kobe Knox uh, probably should be that, that starter taking his spot. Um, we're going to need, uh, we're going to need to see good stuff from Walter Ellis as he's probably going to be, um, getting a lot more minutes. And he was in at a, the end of the game. Yeah. And if I recall, he had, he had, he actually played pretty well in the end of the game. Yeah, no.
0: And he had a steal. He, he kind of kickstarted that run at the end of the game with yeah. that steal on the inbounds where they passed it backwards towards our basket. He just mm-hmm. picked it off from behind and made the layup, but yeah, he was, he was yeah. in the game. And like you said, got that performed, yeah, yeah. Performed fairly decently,
1: but it's not like he's yeah. the guy that you're going to put in that situation on a regular basis. Right. Right. Well, it's hard. So, and then the other, I guess another curious thing that I don't know if you have any, like if you thought about it at the time, um, with, with bigger leaving early with an injury and McLaughlin fouling out and Harrison fouling out. Um, we actually did not see Carr at all in this game. Yeah. Uh Igeon started at the five. Um he had a really solid quarter. game. He did. Um, yeah, he had eight rebounds. Um I don't I he don't he also know.
0: bumped noggins with that guy. Did you see that? No. Oh, him and a UVU player just absolutely trucked each other in the face. Yeah, like straight on head collision just fell into each other. Um I, I believe Igeon had a little bit of blood on his forehead, but um they both were just kind of like you know trying to regain composure like they were blinking their eyes really hard and stuff but i i was curious at the time whether he was going to need to be you know checked for a concussion cuz yeah it was it was a nasty collision and he and the other guy i think the other guy subbed out the guy from Utah Valley but Igehan stayed in the game and like i said he he had a really good game but anyways continue
1: Yeah. So, so no, I guess the questions are, um, we didn't see Carr. Uh, what's the reasoning for that? Is that going to continue? I know we mentioned in the Utah tech game, like he just hasn't looked good in the starting role. Um, but we didn't see him at all. Uh, we have the Baker injury now. So we have three starters out. Um, so, uh, we have to keep an eye on guys like Kobe Knox guys like Walter Ellis guys like Carr, right? What are those guys like those guys have to step up now to a level, uh, to a higher level that they're being called to for the Lopes to continue to succeed. Uh, and we're going to have to see that. Um, but, but looking at, looking at the game. So about a minute 46 left Utah Valley made two free throws to go up eight. Is that the moment you were talking about where like, that's that was kind of the peak of their little run. And it's like, Oh, this is probably over. Okay. Yep. Um, so that 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 is where I kind of tuned in because I got like the last two minute notification <laughs> or whatever as I was sitting in the Footprint Center and thought like, oh man, this game uh, is probably over. That actually what happened is it was halftime at the Suns game. And so I, I was taking my nephews to the bathroom and we were in the line at the bathroom at Talking Stick, which, which is like 150 people. So <laughs> we're just sitting there, I was like, all right, I'm going to pull up the Lopes game. So I was watching it with my, with two of my nephews, one who's a seventh grader and the other one who's six years old. Uh, and so they were like, Oh, the Lopes are playing. So we watched, <laughs> we watched the last minute 20. Uh, McLaughlin got a layup. That was a pretty good play. And then we, w- uh, this was the the play we, we just talked about where Walter Ellis kind of kickstarted it by after McLaughlin makes the layup to cut it to six. He gets the steal and the, and one converts the and one to cut the lead to three with a minute 16. Um, that was actually walter ellis's only points of the game he had three points and that was them and they were pretty huge um and that cut the lead to three with a minute 16 so immediately um we scored five points in five seconds so it's kind of like oh like maybe there's some life and then um kobe knox got that block on woodbury and got the rebound and this was the play hey this was the play that just made me so sad where it was like hey this is just not meant to be um McLaughlin shot a three, wide open, and I thought like, oh, surely McLaughlin's going to tie the game, right? Miss, long rebound, back to McLaughlin, still wide open. Surely, second chance McLaughlin long <laughs> rebound's going to tie the game. Miss. <laughs> Long rebound McLaughlin, right? Surely, third opportunity McLaughlin's gonna tie the game, right? And then he kicks it to Bauman. Bauman's open off a skip past two offensive rebounds. (laughs) Surely, Bauman's gonna tie the game, and then he misses, right? And then Kobe Knox gets a fourth offensive rebound and puts on the layup to cut it to one with 23 seconds. When that happened, should have
0: been an and one, by the way.
1: It should have, it should have. When that happened, I seriously thought, like, I can't tell if the Lopes, like, are going to win this game because they absolutely just got four offensive rebounds in five seconds, or uh, there's no way the Wolves are going to win because they just missed three wide open threes. Um, But yeah, so Knox got the layup 23 seconds left. Um, We, we fouled like we were supposed to, they missed both. We got the rebound with, with 20 seconds left down one. Right. So that was opportunity number one where it's like, okay, 20 seconds left last possession. To win the game right um kobe knox had that turnover which like man that was just tough that that whole play which i mean we'll probably i don't know look at that in more depth later but that was tough um we had to foul they made one out of two so then we had a similar situation with uh six seconds um chance mcmillan um got fouled on that tip uh or he went in uh he he went up and missed and got fouled, and then someone else tipped it in, but it was no good because it was fouled. Yep, it was on the yeah. first shot. Yeah. And so that was really unfortunate. Um, although I don't know that the, the second tip was even in time, it might have been, but um, and then and then McMillan went to the line with no time on like zero seconds. I think it was like point four down two to tie the game. Um, and then he missed the first, so he had to miss the second to try to tip and it, it didn't work out. So that was real. I mean, like. That's just painful, right? Like, in that situation, uh, like, you just can't miss those free throws. Um, but I guess uh, it is what it is. So, so I don't know. I, I guess, like, I actually thought the, the final minutes of the loop, like, that's the heart I've been talking about all year is, like, this is what this GCU team does. Whereas, like, the Dan Marley-era teams would can, would go on to lose that game by 15, right? By, like, sure. by so, so I, I guess, like, I really liked our fight. I think, like you said, Utah Valley is really good, and I think we played them really well. Um, and we just, we just have so many injuries, dude. Like it's, it's, tough. it's, it's hard. Seriously. Like it's hard to, it's hard to win when you have guys playing significant minutes who previously in the season, weren't even part of your rotation at all. Yeah. Like when you have yeah. this many minutes from Knox mm-hmm. and Ellis and they who weren't even in our they're not in our rotation when we're healthy. It's just really hard. So we have three, three guys injured. Uh, and then two guys foul out. And like, gosh, it was just really tough. So yeah. So uh again, we are not a moral victories podcast. I don't believe in those, but um, I think we we played well, we played hard, and ultimately, like the thing is this, uh all that matters is just black Vegas, right? So sure, so getting these guys big minutes is important. Um getting like Walter Ellis and Kobe Knox in at the end of a tight game against Utah Valley might serve to be really valuable, right? If, sure. if they're coming off the bench against a Utah Valley in the, in the tournament. Um, so, so I, like, yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my thoughts is like, yeah, Utah Valley won. I think Utah Valley is probably just better than us. I think we can beat them on a neutral court if we're healthy, right? If we don't play them again, but if we see them in Wack Vegas and we have our guys back, I, I think we can do it. So um, I'm not particularly discouraged I guess I guess I'm just concerned with injuries, but there's there's no fixing that. It's kind of just a, a waiting game of like, are we gonna have our guys for Wag Vegas? Are we not? Um, so you know, we'll do what we can. It'll be good for to see what we see what we can get from now, like from Bauman and from Igehan and Ellis and Knox, with with them all getting significantly more minutes. So I don't know. We'll see. What are what are your other takeaways from the game? So I, I, my
0: takeaways that I only have, well, aside from this, Aideny e. Gahan has a really sweet midi. He he pulls up from the elbow really nice. Yeah. Um, He's been working on it. You can tell. Um, yeah. But what I was going to say was my my takeaways are primarily just from that final two possessions, I would say. Here's a question for you. Okay. You are coaching a team. Doesn't matter what level you're put in this position. Do you want your players to stick to the fundamentals and protect the basketball? Or are you going to tell them hair on fire, be aggressive, get to the rim, do whatever it takes. And the reason I bring this up is because chance McMillan on the second to last possession, turned the ball over because he drove into the paint and found himself already have taken his, t- his two steps into the layup up in the air facing the biggest guy on the court. And then he tries to dish it off to, I believe who was Bauman cutting Knox. into the basket oh, yeah. yeah, or was it Knox? I don't know. Tried to dish it off to somebody who was literally attached to his hip. And right. it turns out in a turnover. Yeah. What, what is your, what is your perspective? Do you want him doing that? Do you want him to be aggressive? And, and I him don't know, to the rim? or do you wait. want him jump stopping and trying to kick
1: or trying to play off two feet? I want him to do what he's been doing. So in the like if I have a player, I don't want them to change what they're doing for the end of the game. Here's where that gets tricky though. <clears throat> um, Chance McMillan is incredible at this like drive. He's he's incredible at like the classic James Harden of like, I'm gonna drive into three people, do my little dancey dance and get an and one, right? Uh, you're simply not ever gonna get a foul call on a last second layup in a yeah. one possession game, right? You're never going to get that call. And I'm sure Chance McMillan, right, knows that. And so I, I wonder if that played into the decision-making of, there's no way I'm going to make this shot with all these guys here. And even if I get fouled, which you probably will, they're not going to call it because it's seven, it's eight seconds left in a two-point game, right? Um, and now, ironically, they did actually do that on the very next GCU possession, which gave us the free throws. Mm. But I wonder if that is what it is, is just like, now at the end of the game i am less likely to get this foul call and I'm probably not going to actually make the basket but yeah, that was an unusual chance Mcmillan play and that I feel like normally what he would do is just go up into the defenders and try to get a miss, foul. probably miss and draw the foul yeah yeah and he does that on the next play so well
0: and that's that's kind of what yeah. Ray, Ray Sean Harrison is really adept at doing <laughs> I don't want to compare chance Mcmillan to 16-year-old girls cuz that's not fair. <laughs> but something that I always tell our players is you get in the paint, play- sorry, you get in the paint, play off 2 feet, right? Now obviously, and, and another thing I say to them with that is I need you playing off 2 feet because none of you guys are Ja Morant. You're not going to rise above the tallest person on the floor and finish off of a one-two step and just like floating for 30 feet towards the basket, right? It makes me think of that meme. I'm sure you've seen it. The one where it's like John Morant, whenever he sees the tallest guy on the court defending the basket. And it's like one of those trampoline videos where they jump on the (laughs) trampoline and go up to dunk it. But the bottom half of the video is cut out. So all you see is the guy like going up towards the basket horizontally. You know what I'm talking about? No, I'll have to send it to you. I haven't seen those. They're super funny. But anyways, That's what I thought of when I saw Chance McMillan on that last play. And I don't want to judge his performance based on that second to last possession. That really frustrated me because we were down by two at that point. Correct?
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, in both situations. Yeah. We were down by
0: two. They had just missed two free throws that Utah Valley was saying, Hey, here's the game. Go ahead and take it. You can have it. Basically what we were saying to Utah, Utah. We might have been down by one. No, I think we were down by two.
1: We were down by one. Were we? I think. Yeah, because then we we fouled them and they made one out of two. So we were down by two on that last possession where we got two free throws. Yeah. But the one before that was the turnover, we were down by one. Okay, yeah. Even more so.
0: Here, have the game, GCU. You may have it. Basically the same thing that we were saying
1: to Utah Tech on Wednesday night. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's like... This game was the opposite of Utah Tech in that Utah Valley was up, tried to throw, and then just like barely hung on, on, which is exactly what we did to Utah Tech
0: but here's the thing. We, when we fouled Utah Valley on that last possession that they had, where they missed the, the one of the two free throws, there was six seconds on the clock, right? So that means we had six more seconds to try and get a better look than chance. McMillian dropping the ball into the hands of the defense. Yeah. That's why I'm frustrated with it is we got, we got him playing off of one, two step, in front of the biggest defender on the floor and then losing the ball when there's more than six seconds on the clock. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we're going to make a three if it's a kick out. I'm not saying that, you know, if he ends up trying to shoot it instead of dish it off, he's going to get fouled or he's not going to get fouled. It's just, it's very frustrating for me. And then the opportunity to make some free throws to tie the game up and missing the first one absolutely drives me nuts. Yeah. Tough, tough last
1: 10 seconds from chance.
0: Yep. But you know what? He's a, he's a GCU lope. He's going to rise up. He's going to, he's going to respond. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to how they, how they fare on this next road trip. But do you want to pick a player of the game for this game? You can do it. Okay. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in limbo between a couple of guys. Uh, my, my first thought is, and I'm probably going to stick with this guy, um, is Kobe Knox. I just think he was really solid defensively. And, attacked the hoop. Um he had that, as we said, that bucket that should have been an and one at the end of the game after the three missed three pointers and the and the in the four offensive rebounds. Uh, that that was one of the kickstarting parts of of that comeback that we had. Um, but he, he played a really good game. He was really solid. Let me pull up his stats really quick. 28 minutes or sorry 25 minutes. Five for eight from the field, one for three from three. 11 points, four rebounds, an assist. Um so he played a really solid game. My other guy who we can say is an honorable mention would be Aidney Gahan. Um he only had 3 points, but he was really solid defensively against a really a really good big man and so I think he played really solid. Sean Harrison is always going to be a guy that can be an option for player of the game, but I'm going to go with Kobe Knox today.
1: Yeah, Rashawn Harrison can always be the player of the game. Yeah. Um I mean he he had the most points for the lopes. Relatively speaking, this is one of his less efficient games. He had 18 points on 20 shots, which isn't great. Yeah. Um but yeah, I no, I think you're right. I think Kobe Knox really stepped up. I think Bauman also really stepped up. Um Igehan, uh just his his defense inside was really good. Uh, eight rebounds is nice. Obviously didn't score a lot, but that's not his role. Um so yeah, all three of those guys re- really great. McLaughlin had a good game. Um he did. 13, 13 and five, uh six for twelve shootings, not great. 0 for four from three. Um it was the four fouls. Well, I guess he fouled out, but it was the four fouls early that really yeah really tough. did us in, I would say. Right, right. That was tough. So yeah, I don't know. Um I think it'll be all right. We have a we have a little bit if Baker is out, um, and we'll get into this later, but if Baker is out, this next stretch of games is like a pretty comfortable set, I think, to like figure some stuff out. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So let's move into around the whack and begin that with the Kimball. The Kimball began this week in the hands of Southern Utah. And on Thursday, January 19th, Southern Utah defended their Kimball title at home against New Mexico state, winning an impressive 111 to 76. And thus again, New Mexico state awful. It's enjoyable yeah. to watch <laughs> anyways. Yeah. Then on Saturday, January 21st, Southern Utah conceded the Kimball title to Seattle. U on the road after losing 81 to 60. And now the Kimball is in the hands of Seattle. U, who will have an opportunity to defend their title on Thursday. How yeah. about around the
1: whack elsewhere, Zach? Yeah. Around the whack. So, so we can actually pick up right there with Seattle. U. um, so Seattle U, the last remaining undefeated team in the WAC, um, they they are currently in in first place. I believe the winners has them sitting in second. Incidentally, Ken Palm has them at fourth, but uh, they are the only undefeated team. They are the team that bracketologists are now projecting to win the conference. Um, although to what extent, I I also don't think the WAC bracketologists have ever seen a WAC basketball game, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> they're good. Seattle is good. They're definitely a lot better than uh than I thought they were coming into the season. With that being said, um they have this week, uh we we got to keep an eye on Seattle U this week because they have the road trip of Doom. They have Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston, um, which is just like the bane of every WAC team's existence. Um so this will this is a big moment for them. They're I though I, I want to say seven and oh they're seven and in conference, 16 and four overall. They're going to SFA and Sam Houston. If they come out of this week undefeated, I am ready to declare them the best team in the WAC. They're the one seed. I don't think that's going to happen. This road trip is just too hard. I don't think any team gets out of there with a sweep. Um, so so we'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely really excited for both of those games. Seattle U at Stephen F. Austin and Seattle U at Sam Houston. Um, so, so like you mentioned for the Kimball, it's very possible that it doesn't stay with Seattle, just given that they have the hardest road trip imaginable. But but yeah, that's what we have for Seattle. They they're, they're going to be really fun to watch. Um obviously they're on the quest with this one seed Utah Valley currently in line for that one seed um with their with their win at Grand Canyon, which is a pretty big one for them. GCU incidentally has moved up, so we were the 5 seed coming into the week. We've moved up to the 4 seed. Um we jumped and Southern why Utah. Why is that, Zach? Southern Utah well, for a couple I, I think a couple reasons. Um okay. Southern Utah got blown out by Seattle. Um which doesn't do them wonders. I also wondered to what extent the Loyola Marymount situation helps us. Um, I tweeted this earlier. So uh, we prior to this, and this was before the Utah Valley game. So maybe things are different, but I, we coming into this week, we only had one home loss all season, one true home loss. And that was to Loyola Marymount, which everyone kind of said like, Oh, that's a really bad loss. Well, Loyola Marymount went into Gonzaga and beat them this week. Um, which makes Loyola Marymount go way up in the rankings, which makes our home loss to them not nearly as bad of a loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so our worst home loss is now a lot better, which I think helps us uh, overall as far as like our, because that's what the Wimmers cares about. Right. They, they don't want you losing at home, but uh Loyola Marymount went up a lot, which means uh, the net amount of points we lost for that game is a lot less. And then, of course, losing to Utah Valley at home is tough, but they're also really good. And they're ranked higher than us in the Wimmers anyways. Um, And then Southern Utah just getting absolutely blown out by Seattle. So we moved up into fourth. We're in that first round by conversation. Um, As of right now, Utah Valley is the one seed. Southern Utah is the two. Sam Houston is the three. And GCU is the four with Southern Utah and SFA at five and six. Realistically, uh, GCU, Southern Utah, and SFA are all around the same spot for like any of those teams could probably fall four through six. Um, <laughs> so yeah, oh, those man, three teams would, were pretty close. It would stink we'll to, be to be the six seed. Yeah, it wouldn't be great. Um, I, I'd be okay with that.
0: Okay.
1: I don't know. Probably that, that the first round buy is really going to be a, really good for
0: whoever... The four teams aren't. It, are it
1: would, it. but the three seat will probably be Seattle, and I'm. I, I That's nah, fine. Um, <laughs> I don't feel that concerned. I do want to address one thing that we, I think, were that I was at least confused about that I got clarification from our boy Wack Hoops Digest. So, yeah. um, obviously there's 13 teams in the Western Athletic Conference. Twelve of them are going to Whack Vegas. The 12 teams that make Wack Vegas is not decided for wimmers. It is decided for conference standings.
0: Is that the same thing for conference champion?
1: Uh, I would imagine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, that seems like it would make the most sense. So the
1: Wimmers is only used for seeding teams at WAC Vegas, but it is not the, the factor to determine who's going to make it. And that's really important. As of right now, U, uh, U, UT Arlington is pretty significantly in last. Uh, Like they're, they're going to just have a really hard time digging themselves out of that hole, which is surprising because they actually won at New Mexico state. They picked up another win this week against UTRGV. So they do have two conference wins, but still just so far in last Um, whereas because of standings, we only have one winless team, and that is 0-8 New Mexico State, who may never win a basketball game again. Um, So, (laughs) given that it's standings, you have New Mexico State as the odd team out um, without a win. They've already lost at home to UT Arlington, which is really tough. You only have one team, like, there's only one one one-loss team, and that's UTRGV, and then a handful of two-loss teams. But I really just, like... New Mexico state only has one game this week and it's at Utah Valley. And I just really don't see them winning that. And then they have Stephen F. Austin at home and then Seattle U at home and then at grand Canyon. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like they couldn't be UT Arlington at home. I don't know what games they're going to win, but uh, they need to win some games if they want to make whack Vegas, the the kind of meme of like, what if New Mexico state doesn't make it? Uh, it's becoming a little more real with each passing week. As of right now, they are not in line to make it uh, and they need to find a way to win some games. UTRGV has at Stephen F. Austin and at home against Cal Baptist. And it's very possible. They could win that home game against Cal Baptist. So that would give them two wins and make it really tough. So New Mexico state, they need to, they need to start winning some games if they want to make it. Um, but they just look horrible. I don't know. Like, I just can't, I just can't figure out why they're so bad. Um, I, I yeah, maybe maybe this is my question for you. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but I think the situation gets more ridiculous with each week. Uh, do you think that Greg hires going to have a job next year? Dude, I don't know if he'll have a job at the end of this year. This
0: is getting bad. There's a lot of people on Twitter that are like tweeting at whatever their athletic director is. It's Mario something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, there's a lot of people tweeting at him saying we got to make some moves here. We got to make some moves because it, it is a really bad situation. And not that I want Aggie fans to be happy, but this is right. this. It's actually funny because I don't know if you saw what I tweeted the other day. Um, somebody had said something about the Conference USA making a jump from thirteenth to tenth. Oh, yeah, I saw this. Yeah, in like how good the league is on Ken Palm right. in the last yeah. year. GCU made, or sorry, not GCU. The WAC made the same exact jump from fifteen to twelve, and it was mm-hmm. intriguing to me because this league is three spots better than it was last year. And all that Uh with New Mexico state being
1: winless in horrible. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. Um, yeah, they're just so bad. Um, I, I do wonder like with the WAC is a, is a conference being better. If, if that leads to our teams being seeded higher, this is the debate we had last week and it's going to be ongoing. Um, which when looking at like, projections um one of the things i think we said is like if it's utah valley or or sam houston they could probably be on the 13 line and no other team should be any higher than that well um we we had a little conversation on twitter uh andy katz bracketology i believe it was had seattle u in as the 13 seed <clears throat> which um i know you, you tweeted out something about like hey that seems kind of kind of wild um So I guess like the thing I brought up is according to Andy Katz, you have 13 seed in Seattle, which we think is crazy. Your 14 seeds are Colgate, Eastern Washington, Belmont, and Princeton. Um. So I I, the question I guess to you, which you've already answered on Twitter, and to anyone else listening, is do those do any of those four teams deserve a 13 seed above Seattle? Dude, what are your thoughts? Who
0: Belmont beat Bradley right?
1: Is it Bradley that they beat? Let me see. Uh, is Bradley good? Yeah, they're, they're like 85th. Oh.
0: Like really good. It was a, it was a huge win. It was a huge win for Belmont. Like people singing in the streets, huge. <laughs> Let me see here. Yeah, Bradley, 85th in the nation. Granted 13 and 8, but Yeah, how is Bradley 85th in the nation?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't see Belmont being very. Bradley's not. Bradley's thirteen and eight.
0: Yeah, They're that's what I was and saying.
1: in the Missouri Valley, Bradley's not that great. I don't. I don't know about Bradley. In fact, I actually think Southern Illinois is is the best team in that conference. I don't even think Belmont's going to make the tournament. I don't think that I would put Belmont above Seattle U.
0: Yeah. What about um? What about Colgate?
1: Uh, Colgate's conference is terrible. They're um. Are they in the American? What conference is Colgate in? That's no, the not, not the American. Uh, it's the the Patriot, right? I think so. Is that Colgate? Yeah, yeah they're in the Patriot. They're 8-0 in conference, but they're 14 and 7 overall. Um notable games for them. They won in Syracuse. That's kind of neat. Um they lost to Buffalo. They lost to Delaware. They lost to Penn. Uh is Syracuse any good? Auburn mm-hmm. blew them out, I and mean, they kind of they kind of won their conference game. They lost at home to Vermont, and Vermont's okay. They lost at home to Cornell. I don't think that team's better than Seattle. No, uh, Eastern Washington, the Big Sky. Um, they're you, they're undefeated probably know in the more, Big Sky. You probably know more about the Big Sky than I do. Yeah, they are. They're fourteen and seven overall. Um, Seattle was sixteen and four, and seven and zero in conference. Like that is pretty impressive. Uh, these guys have some bad loss. Eastern Washington. You know, Eastern Washington started 0 three. Yeah, they did. Man, and and then they Those opened their conference against
0: they they opened their conference play against University of Montana and beat them and we it's, were surprised. Eastern
1: Washington got blown out at home by by uh, Wazoo, and they lost it. They have four mid major losses. I don't, I'm not sure what know. their story
0: is. They lost to Texas Tech by seven on the road, and then since then they haven't lost a game. Granted, yeah. the, the best team they've played so far is the bobcats but
1: yeah so I mean, looking at seattle they have an 11 point loss at washington which like is whatever um they have they have a 15 point loss at oregon state which again whatever they got blown out by utah state they lost to iona in a tournament those are their only losses sure. um i would say they have a better pool of losses than any of that other team and that like what's their worst loss two losses at the pack 12 neutral losses against Utah state and Iona. Uh, yeah. Um, it's the Oregon state loss probably, but like even Oregon state's a PAC 12 school, they're not bad. And then they, they have the massive win at Utah Valley. When Utah Valley was top 100 to shut them down, they have a massive win over Southern Utah and they have at Sam Houston at Stephen F Austin. If they, so, so I guess to say if they lose one or both of these games, then yeah, I think they probably are on the 14 line, but if they win both of these games, there's a serious world where Seattle could find themselves on the 12 line.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll Zach, see. here's the thing. I'm I'm willing to admit, even though on Twitter I've pretended that I'm very pro-Seattle U <laughs> over the last couple of days, <laughs> I will admit that Seattle U could walk on water, and I would say it's because they can't swim. So I just I, – I, I'm not ready to be – maybe I should be ready to say Seattle U the real deal, but just maybe I'm just being
1: really – just a seattle denier but no i think i'm with you i think earlier in the season um i would have said the same thing um well they had that stretch of four games that were really hard and i said well they're gonna lose three out of these four and then they did (laughs) uh and i kind of feel the same way now which is like they're starting to show signs that maybe they're actually real and so i have the test for them it's the most impossible road trip ever and if they win those games then they deserve it and if they don't then maybe they don't yeah and
0: also they're uh they're in GCU for GCU senior night. And I will be at that game. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, what's up? What's all fun? right. That's all we have for Monday's episode. We, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, tune in on Wednesday for our preview of the week ahead. Until then, thanks for listening and Lopes Up. Big bucket
1: by McMillan for three. Dishes on the blocker for three. Good! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the guard. Back up, Harrison quickly to the clock and drives baseline. Bam, no doubt about it. Oh, Barry, you bounce down your seam on that. I do with a big right hand, give the Bulls a three-point advantage. I liked when Skip was on first take, just because it was really hilarious. Because he'd say some crazy, and then yeah. Stephen A. Smith would be like. I cannot believe this. (laughs) That's heresy. (laughs) We love Stephen A.